Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America, where we amplify and humanize the experience of immigrants in the United States. We are available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you do not miss an episode. Today, we have for you Alec Yuspabenko. He's a design architect, architect and an associate design principal with Hanbury Architects, currently residing in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Alec graduated summa cum laude from Virginia Tech with a bachelor's in architecture. Alec's passion and creativity as a designer has received recognition on a regional and national level. Alex has been noted for his collaborative spirit and constant pursuit for challenge and excellence in articles and press interviews. His thinking, his thinking challenges the status quo with innovative and socially sustainable ideas. No doubt his work and demeanor are shaped by his background. Alex came to the United States from Odessa, Ukraine as a child. Adapting to a new language, culture, and societal norms instilled a familiarity with discomfort and a curiosity for what he doesn't yet know. As a professional, these qualities are evidenced in how Alex questions the status quo, investigates, and innovates in his problem solving. In the posture of a consummate team member, he brings a broad spectrum of skills to the design table architectural design, graphic design, presentation, communication, and more. For Alec, creative thinking happens on numerous levels simultaneously. Alec measures success by the positive impression he leaves. His contributions to the profession and the industry exceed his years. His humble appreciation for his mentor's gifts, gifts of advice and direction inspires his proactive efforts to pass this mentorship forward. Engaging with students at colleges and universities throughout design critiques, knowledge sharing workshops, and public lectures and seminars. This ethos is also reflected in Alex's work because the spaces and places designed by architects leave long-lasting impacts on people and communities. Alec approaches design with great care, thought, and a priority on social sustainability. As a result, his designs are beloved by those who use them. Welcome, Alec, to the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for, thanks for that. Um, and I, I appreciate you having me. This is great. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning, good afternoon to you. It's, it's great to hear you, and we're looking forward to hearing your immigrate, immigrant story. I found you uh, because your profile stood out to me, a post you made on LinkedIn regarding 
your experience here in the United States and um, most importantly, the situation that's going on in Ukraine right now. And I wanted to hear how that is impacting you and, and how your experience here has been in the United States. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, this is this is a sensitive time um, for, I guess, not only just just me, my family from being from Ukraine, but really for the world. Um, it's it's kind of an, a shock to a little bit to humanity and, and kind of where we are in, in this modern world. But experiencing this, you know, having family still over there um, really has started to emphasize and put into perspective sort of the things that um, I've gone through, um, how I was raised, uh, and really starting to appreciate, uh, in, a, in a different perspective, appreciate life um, where uh, this country has been able to bring us and, and my family and all the opportunities that I've been able to you know, capitalize on here. So it's, it's pretty incredible. Yes. So can you tell us what is your family story? What brought you here to the United States? Um, we spoke a bit about that on our previous conversation, but for our listeners, if you can uh, just tell us about your story and how you arrived here. Yeah. So like, like you said, I was born in, Odessa, Ukraine. Odessa is a port city in the southern part of Ukraine, uh, right on the Black Sea. And, you know, I, I w- was born and grew up there and had, you know, a pretty, a pretty good childhood. Um, I, you know, we, we loved going to the beach uh, since we are sort of um, right on the Black Sea. Um, we always went to the beach when it was warm, um, but also the the city itself has a lot of nice history in terms of having a, a, a kind of an European urban center. Um, and then we grew up in kind of like a old sort of Soviet housing block, um, which most people live in apartments sort of in the city and then well, we were fortunate that both of my grandparents had what we call dachas which are little country cottages out um, outside the city and on the weekends um, we would go there sort of learned independence there where we'd go fishing with my grandpa my brother and I um, we would you know, almost take on a, our, our own individual selves where we got to see, you know, crops grow. Each of, each of our grandparents had a little garden where they raised vegetables and fruit. Um, so it was this really, really nice um, mode of growing up. We were really independent from a very early age. Um, not many people in the in the city had cars. Um, so public transportation is a really big, big thing where you get taxis or trams. Um, so we were from a really early age, my, my brother and I, we were, um, you know, 
able to get on public transportation and move about the city uh, at a lot younger age than uh, kids, at, you know, at least here in America are able to. So we grew up in a, in a really sort of fortunate circumstance where um, my, my parents both graduated um, their respective universities, colleges in, in Odessa. Um, my dad was a merchant marine electrical engineer. Um, and so we, 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 you know, we lived a pretty good life um, out there. And just by happenstance, um, my, my dad's ship that he was working on uh, got brought over to the U.S. because kind of the, the Navy had had bought the ship and then this, some of the workers were brought over to finish it out. Um, so my dad was up in the States, in Mobile, Alabama, actually, and he um, would travel back and forth and we would actually go fly out and visit him uh, in the U.S. So that that was you know a, a pretty big a pretty big contrast for when we would uh, come to to visit him and and see where he was living. Um, it was a completely different world. So so my dad um, was here in the states, and we would go visit him every now and then. And on one of our visits, uh, a family friend had recommended that, what if we applied for a green card? Um, and a green card is really uh, a way to apply for immigrant you know, residency. And the process back then for a green card was almost like a lottery where you uh, basically are asking to uh, come over to the United States to live, work, um, but the, the process was very difficult. It was, um, you, you know, very, very small amount of people would, would be granted uh, green cards. And we were, we, we applied sort of on a, on a whim and um, luck would have it that our entire family ended up getting a, a green card to uh, be able to come over to the US. And at that moment, uh, it, it, was, it was exciting, but at the same time, scary. So I mentioned, you know, my parents had a pretty good, pretty good life in Ukraine. They were, they had all their friends there. That's where they grew up. That's where they worked. Um, things, things were going well, but I, I don't know if it was like, um, an intuition that my parents had or something. Um, but they, they looked far beyond their own careers. They, they looked far beyond their own selves and thought what, you know, what opportunities are our kids going to have here growing up? Um, like I said, childhood was great, but in, in terms of um, the workforce, it was it was very spotty 
and um, you you can have a great education, but you might not be able to apply it. So they made a really tough decision at that moment, which seemed a little crazy because they were leaving a life behind that was established, that was sort of rooted in family. You know, our grandparents were there, um, everybody, our whole extended family. But something inside of them made them make the decision for sort of their kids' future, our future at the time of me and my, my older brother. And so they decided to pack everything up, um, you know, take out any money that they had, um, pack boxes, luggage bags, and uh, basically make this leap of faith <laughs> at, at the end of the day. You know, in the in the context that we're talking about in today's world, that leap was pretty incredible because if you, you know, or even anybody put themselves in that position just to leave everything behind um, when things aren't that bad, just on a whim to think that maybe it'll be better for our kids. You know, at the time we didn't speak any English. We didn't know the language. We didn't know the culture. We just visited a couple of times um, when my dad was in Mobile, Alabama. So that that was that was a lot. Um, you know, looking back on it now, that was a crazy decision. It was brave. It was courageous for my parents to to do that. It was selfless. Um, and now we sort of get to relish in and the fact that now we're here, um, what, 22 years later. So we came over and made that move in March of 2020. No, sorry, in March of, two, March of 2000, um, when, when we all came over to the US. And um, yeah, 22 years later, looking back on it, where my brother is, sort of a successful entrepreneur, um, myself now, you know, owning a house, um, having a family, uh, my wife and two little daughters, you know, it, it's, it's a little surreal. It's, it's a completely different world that we're in now than what's, like you said, what's going on currently as we speak, the, you know, sort of the terrifying things that are happening um, over in Ukraine. Right, right. So I'm curious, um, what, I know you kind of alluded a bit to this about you and your brother taking public transportation in the city, but what, what is the culture like? I think we're all curious now that, you know, Ukraine is at the forefront. We want to get a sense for what is the food like? What is the culture like? Music? Um, I know you guys um, uh, speak different languages. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, well, it's, it's actually interesting. So like in more urban centers like um, Odessa, the, usually the, well, growing up at least, most people spoke Russian. Um, if you 
go to out to like the dachas or out into the countryside, um, people spoke Ukrainian. My grandparents spoke Ukrainian. They would teach us Ukrainian in schools, but where where I grew up, mostly we spoke Russian. Um, so, you know, that there was there was never this division. There was never this um, you know polar opposites of what's happening now. Um, it, they're just one one people, and as we were growing up, you know, the culture it was rooted sort of deep in sort of that Eastern European, um, it's a, it's the food is a mix of, let's say, you know, Mediterranean and Turkish and sort of, um, I mean, you, you, you think kind of the, the stereotypical Russian cuisine and, you know, you have borscht and, um, <laughs> you know, potato salad and, um, fish, but the, you know, basically, everything all you could think of um sort of all mixed mixed together but the culture wasn't so different the way the way i sort of look at it now um it was a little bit slower in terms of how people moved how people um found themselves moved through life it was it was a lot slower than the pace here in the states so when you go to a restaurant you might go to you might go for dinner, but you'll end up staying through the night till midnight, one o'clock, because that dinner is going to transition to a conversation. And then at the end of dinner, um, people will order espressos, um, and hang out, you know, either inside or out in the cafe on the streets as people are walking by. Um, with that espresso or, or coffee, you'll you know, you might get a dessert and you'll hang out even more. And then that dessert leads into, you know, some drinking and then that drinking leads into more music and dancing. And it's just, it was just a, you know, a happy time. And even <laughs> it, it's, it's funny now that I have kids and looking back at my parents would bring us along um, from, for most of the, times that they would go out with their friends and we would kind of be witness to it and it was just this kind of merry time that they would have my parents hosted a lot of people over even though we had this super small apartment um we had we grew up in in a one-bedroom apartment that had a, a small little kitchen a den and then a one-bedroom and the one-bedroom I shared with my brother. Uh, the den actually served as, a, you know, maybe three or four different rooms. At, you know, during the day, it served as a, as the den. Sometimes, as a gathering place for whenever friends would come over, there would be you know a stereo console where I would turn on music and and dance to. And then at night, <laughs> the the couch became a pull-out couch, and that was my parents' bed, um, you know, but that was their bedroom, too, so at the same time, they they had always had this, like, sacrifice mentality that our, <clears throat> our life was almost at the forefront of, of what they do, 
but we would have friends over at, 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 the, at this little apartment and we were always in a, in a good place, always in a good mood. Our grandparents were down the street. Um, so we would you know, either take the tram or walk uh, about 15 minutes down to one grandparent or take a taxi another five minutes to another grandparent's house. Um, everything is sort of tight, close knit. Um, and you grew up around your family. Um, we, we would go out and, you know, in these big Soviet block apartments, there would be a playground at the, at the bottom of a couple of them um, and a big open field. And me and my brother would just go running out playing with all the other kids. And then my mom from the, you know, third story window would yell out to us and um, you know, tell us to come in for lunch and come in, eat, and then run back out. Um, so yeah, we, we went to school uh, down the street. Um, could eight, we could walk to, to the school. Everything is in walking distance or public transportation. Um, so again, you, you, we sort of learned that independence really early on. Um, so I, I guess that's where I, the, the biggest difference is, is the um, independence that you learn quickly, um, but also sort of like this slow European mentality that um, you just go about life trying to enjoy every moment, sort of living in the now. Not many people are are forecasting uh, too much. Most of the culture sort of looks at what's what's happening, and they live in the moment and they enjoy the moment. And the next moment comes, and they embrace that. Um, so that's why it's, it's it's a little bit unique that my parents were always looking out for our future. We're always thinking ahead while still being able to sort of enjoy. Um, family, friends, and that sort of European, I would say, cafe lifestyle. Right, right. Very interesting. So you guys got your your immigrant visa. You came over. Um, what was those uh, few years like? Adjusting and learning a new language. Now you have to go to new school, leave your family. What was that like? And did you have any friends or family on this side in the United States? No, we didn't have any, any well, we didn't have any family, but my, my dad had people that he worked with that were American. And one gentleman in particular, um, his name was Gene. He, he was sort of our caretaker. He was like our, um, became our sponsor when we were in it sort of came over to the States because things were very different. Things were very starkly different when we packed up our stuff. And, you know, I was going to school um, in Ukraine. I you know, told all my friends that I'm going to America and everybody was, you know, <laughs> incredibly jealous, but at the same time excited for us. 
Um, but we had no idea what we were getting into. I didn't, I didn't know the language. Uh, all I knew was Russian. Um, so I basically, uh, the, the extent of my English was like <clears throat> cat dog <laughs> type of thing. I, you know, those types of words you would know, but we came into a very different culture, a very different place. Um, so our, our first place that we moved to where I went to school was Mobile, Alabama. And so not only is the language different, the culture is different. It's a, it's a very sort of crazy shock to, to the system, if you will. Um, so I went to, I went to school, I didn't know the language. So I was, I was sort of thrown in and I had to learn just by being immersed in it. Um, you know, math came easy. That's a universal language, but everything else, I just, I just had to sit there as things were going by and figure out every little thing I could cling on to to learn from um even playing with friends was frustrating because i would try to express myself or tell them that like we want to go somewhere else or do something different and it was it was like this mixture of <laughs> sign language and broken english and maybe some russian words in there so the <laughs> it was uh it was tough but you know the it, incredibly that the people in in Alabama where we were they were just so hospitable and uh, kind of welcoming and super nice everybody was really friendly um, they you know for the m most part everybody tried to help in any way possible and I, I mentioned Gene you know, he, he was my dad's friend, became my dad's friend at work. And then he, we sort of adopted him as our uncle. We sort of quote unquote called him uncle Gene because he would come over. He would um, you know, come have parties with us. He would come to dinner. Um, but also he did something really incredible for, for us, my brother and I. Um, so in Ukraine, we are Eastern Orthodox in terms of our religion, and we celebrate um, Christmas at a different time, not December 25th. We celebrate Easter at a different time. And, you know, basically, Jean was the one that merged our culture into sort of American culture on December 24th at night time, he showed up <clears throat> at, at our place and he showed up with a bunch of gifts and my parents were a little confused and he basically said, um, these are going to go under the tree for, for the kids and when they wake up, they'll have something to open up on American Christmas Day because they're going to go to school and everybody's going to ask them what, what they got for Christmas. And they're going to say they didn't get anything, but now they have something. And I remember this clear as day still um, that he, he, he brought us over some two scooters and a, a chest sort of full of toys for each of us. And that was, you know, 
looking back on it, that that was pretty pretty generous of him, um, and incredibly sort of sensitive to um, our culture, and also sort of introducing us step by step to how things work. You know, and same thing for Easter, making sure that. We're, we're sort of introduced to that as well. Not saying that we're, we weren't celebrating you know, Orthodox Easter, Orthodox Christmas, but it was in addition to, Jean didn't have really um, a family, a wife or kids. Um, so he, he really became part of our family and helped my mom find her first job um, in Alabama he would take us everywhere. He had a car, so he would bring us around. He, he was he was sort of like our bridge, a language bridge and our culture bridge and incredibly grateful because, um, you know, he had no obligations. He was just, he was just somebody that just saw something in us and um, wanted to find every way that he could help out of his own selfless heart, really, which is pretty great. Wow, amazing. So what are the dates that you guys celebrate the actual Christmas in your Eastern Orthodox tradition and Easter? What are the differences? So um, January um seventh is um orthodox christmas um as opposed to december uh 25th so in easter you know easter falls differently um as well sometimes easter actually lines up um, but basically, Eastern Orthodox calendar is it's almost like delayed. And so, um, like, for instance, this year, uh, <clears throat> Orthodox Easter is on April 24th. Um, but there's there's times where those those Sundays align. Sometimes they don't. Wow. Wow. Okay. Very interesting. Well, thankful for Eugene. And um, how is he doing today? He's, is he still in your life? Is he still in Alabama? He's, he's in our life and spirit. He passed away a few years ago, unfortunately. Um, he was an elderly gentleman whenever we came over. Um, but he has, he has since passed. So he lives on through us and you know, stories like this. Yeah. Oh, may he so rest in peace. That was, you find those angels, I guess he was placed there to help you guys transition and, and uh, begin your American journey. No doubt. No doubt. Wow. We, we wow. Incredibly grateful. Thanks for sharing that. Can you, can you speak to, you know, all right, so you're here, you're struggling to learn English as you're getting older. You know, how did you start um, formulate an idea what kind of life you would like to have here in the United States? Did you have a dream? Did you want to be like your dad? Um, 
you know, and what are some of the opportunities or challenges that came up to kind of bring you to where you are today? Yeah, so I don't, I don't know if it was, I mean, you're sort of a product of, of your parents um, and the surroundings that you're, you're raised in. And my dad is a, you know, very calculated engineering degree, numbers guy. And fortunately, I, I, it sort of passed on to, to me where um, I'm good with numbers, I'm good with math, you know, so sort of like the calculated realm. Um, but then I have sort of like the, an opposite side where my mom is, is more in like the liberal arts field. Um, she's actually a teacher um, in the Virginia Beach public system here. Um, she is very sort of creative. She's got a um, an artsy sort of, <laughs> I guess, background to her. She uh, has always been good at drawing or painting. She was in early in my childhood, I would always watch her paint um, just nature scenes or whatever. So I, I got fascinated by, by that side of things. And it's not like I immediately knew where, where, where I was going to head, but um, looking back on it now, I, I sort of bridged the gap between my two parents. So architecture became a way for me to have like this more calculated approach to things, but then balance it out with the creative side um, where I get to design, imagine, um, you know, bring nonfiction uh, imagination into a built reality. So that that's something that is almost like through my profession, I get to be a little bit of both my, my mom and my dad. Uh, so as I, as I was growing up here in the States, um, I went, I, I swung all around of where I wanted to be. I, I wanted to do something with astronomy at first. I was always fascinated by space from a young age, um, always looking beyond uh, where we are, always looking up at the stars, you know, literally and figuratively. Um, I didn't have a clear path in mind until um, we we moved from Mobile, Alabama, and my dad's ship got brought up to, to Norfolk. And I went through middle school and high school here in Virginia Beach. Um, and throughout that experience, I took different courses, um, you know, tech ed. I liked having things, doing things with my hands. Uh, I took a construction class, which I loved making things, but my turning point was in, in construction class, we had this bridge design and build competition where we were tasked with designing a bridge. Then we would construct it out of you know, really light wood and then test to see how much weight it would hold. Um, so I, I won that competition. And from then on, 
I decided that I would be doing something where it had to do with uh, drawing out uh, something from my head and bringing it into this world, testing it, and then back, you know, back to the paper, back to the, the sketch, and then back into reality and, and testing it again. So um, those those fi final couple of years of high school really set my course and trajectory where I took a couple of courses on um, drafting and architecture. Uh, we are lucky to have a couple of um, elective courses in, in high school. And then by senior year, it was almost like I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And architecture was my, my path. And luckily at the time I applied for Virginia Tech uh, without really knowing how competitive it was at the I think it, when I applied architecture program at Virginia Tech was the number two program in the nation um, and that was the only college I really applied for um, my mom asked me to apply for a, a, a sort of a local college as a as a backdrop but my aspirations were set high I just kind of wanted to achieve what I set myself, what my goals are. Um, and I don't know, you know, if that was sort of learned or what, but I've always held a high standard for myself. Um, my parents never had to get on me for doing my homework. They never had to get on me for grades. Um, I never got a B. I always held myself to a, the highest level, highest standard. So anything that I sort of do I try to excel at and um so if I you know if I put my mind to something um I'm hungry to to achieve that and I think it's a little bit of a learned um a bit of a learned trait as well and I only realize it now looking back at you know my history just talking through this story um, and all the events that are going on in in the world, you know, I think that stark contrast of coming to America and it put into perspective, like, wow, I was I was happy and I, and I, you know lived a good life, but that was a matter of perspective because I didn't know any different. And then as soon as I we were placed in a different context in a you know a different city a different country a different culture that perspective grew and it's like here here is the possibilities that you can achieve and it's like what we made the most out of what we could given our surroundings and man here's this opportunity to climb even further climb the ladder even further so um you know grabbed onto that opportunity my parents grabbed onto it to move us over here and then that hunger just kind of got instilled in in us um growing up you know and then we sort of transitioned that into our our family life our our work life um like i mentioned my older brother he's he owns his own business he's a, a, a young entrepreneur excels in his field and incredibly successful um, what he does and I would like to 
say, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm in a good place. Um, I'm always hungry. I always want to strive for more, but um, looking back, uh, you know, where we came from and the opportunities that we were able to capitalize on every step of the way, um, it was just about making the most out of each opportunity that came by, taking that step, taking that leap, and then um, seeking out the next adventure, seeking out the next challenge and um, really conquering it. So it's, that's kind of what, you know, my, my framework, my mentality. Um, ever right. Since. right. Well, and how are your parents doing? So, you know, overall they're, they're doing well, of course, again, for, for them, it's tough right now uh, of what's going on. You know, my uncle and cousin, um, who, my uncle is my, my mom's brother and his daughter, they were just a few days ago, they were able to leave Ukraine. Finally, they made their way from Ukraine to Moldova, where some folks helped them out there. Um, and they, from Moldova, they, a couple of days later, arrived in Romania. And then from there, they flew to Spain. So they, they were, they got out. So, you know, my mom is, is relieved. Um, but my dad's side of the family, there's, they're still there kind of bracing and hoping for the best. So, you know, if you, if you would have asked me how they're doing like a month ago, <laughs> we would have, we would have just said they're, they're doing great. They live you know, 20 minutes away from, from us they get to see their grandkids um my mom's still a teacher uh she she actually teaches um russian as a foreign language in high school uh, my dad's still an electrical engineer for a marine company but it's a different company now um he travels sort of the world uh, as as the ships get deployed but We've been we've been here in Virginia Beach um, ever since we moved. So, um, you know, in the in the larger perspective of life, we're doing good. But in this instance, given you know what circumstances are happening in Ukraine, it's um, it's a it's a it's a uh, it's a rough rough time currently. Yeah, I can't imagine. My goodness. Um, so you know. Was there anything that was like a bit surprising, culturally shocking for you, you know, apart from, you know, trying to learn the language, anything that was like, wow, that's so different and weird that we do this here in the United States. I've had a few people say, tell me their story. Do you have one? Um, well, the, I think the biggest one is, and this is this may be different for other people's experience because the United States is so big and you can land in different cities, different cultures almost within the state. So for our experience, the South, Mobile, Alabama, was just, it was so warm and welcoming. It was very bizarre that we'd be walking on the street and people would wave and say hi to us and we didn't even know them. So for us, we, it took some adjusting, like 
it sounds a little crazy, but um, we were like, why are they saying hi and smiling and waving to us? We, and my mom would, you know, sometimes, do you know who those are? Do you know who those people are? And it's like, no, <laughs> no idea. But that's, that's how it was. Um, you know, pe- people are in Ukraine, they're, they're friendly and, um, you know, if they know you, but they're not going to go out of their way uh, just to say hi, walking down the sidewalk or the street. Everybody's kind of minding their own business. So, so that was, that was a, a pleasant um pleasant shock for us uh just how how nice and generous people were to to us and we were different like we we had you know an accent we we did we spoke broken english even today you know my my parents still have an accent and it's a lot harder for people to lose it um when they come to the states when they're older luckily for me i was i was young um when we came over and I was able to lose the accent and sort of learn English in a different, different realm than my parents. So um, I adjusted pretty quickly. Right. Right. Okay. So um, we just talked a bit about um, Ukraine and what's going on. So I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of what the Russia Ukraine relationship is like and um, do you have an explanation as to why we're in this situation right now it's quite sad I don't really I've never been to Ukraine but I tell you you know when a war breaks out anywhere in the world and people are fleeing and people are dying I think it just touches just average or you know regular people and we're like my goodness and I remember saying to my husband I don't get it. What does Russia want from Ukraine? I can't believe they literally just went into the country and started attacking. What, what's your take on the situation? Help us get a better understanding as to what's going on. Because we're trying to make sense of it and it doesn't really, on the surface, it doesn't really make sense, right? I mean, I guess geopolitically, people have other explanations, but for the average regular citizen, help us understand if you can. Um, you know, I, I, w- I don't want to get and, and get political. So I'll just, I'll s- stay away from that. And, um, I think, you know, there's definitely other sources out there for, for people to learn about this, the story and, and really what's happening. But f- for the most part, we, <laughs> We are all in a little bit of a shock. Not a little bit. We are incredibly um, shocked by the events that have unfolded over the past three weeks. Um, our family there, you know, as Russia was gathering troops and surrounding the the border prior to the invasion, uh, prior to this war that has sort of escalated over the past three weeks prior to all the innocent women, children, and, you know, men that were killed already and or have been displaced by all the shelling of, of towns and cities and 
almost an occupation of of this of this country. Um, nobody thought that this was going to happen. It was mm-hmm. it was even you know our family that were over there. They were basically we we would ask them what's going on, um, and for the most part, it was oh nothing like nothing nothing would ever happen um so this is this is basically all for show well (laughs) here we are three weeks later and quite honestly i can't explain it um it's surreal um there we're all one people like at the end of the day um, yes, we are all humans on this planet. We're sort of like on this single spaceship called Earth, moving about the the solar system, and we are all human. We're you know we should all treat each other with respect. And and it, what's what's happening? Not only is it inhumane, but in a modern world, it's unbelievable that, that we're in in such an advanced society that we're reverting back to barbaric um, means or reverting to history that has already happened and proved unsuccessful, and now it's happening all over again. And so, I think it's what like insanity is. Um, doing the same thing and, ex- and expecting different results. Well, this is what's happening. Um, is <laughs> a little bit insane because you know this is history repeating itself with um, Russia trying to take over Ukraine and make it part of Russia again, almost like reverting back to the Soviet Union. Um, the Soviet Union broke apart when the year I was born, so I'll I'll date myself. Um, But the Soviet Union broke apart and split up into different countries. And now it's like, it's trying to revert back to that. But the people of Ukraine don't want that. That's why you see so much resistance. Um, And like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to get too political, but um, that at, at this time, it is unbelievable that it's even still going on. Um, and there's just, I don't see a good end. Um, even if the troops um, were to retreat back to Russia um, and stop all the shelling and bombing and, and you know, destruction, the damage is done. You know, all yes. these people have been displaced. All these people have left their homes, um, taking what one piece of luggage that they could carry with them, not knowing where they're going. Mostly women and children in different countries, you know, sort of stuck. And then all men between ages eighteen and sixty have stayed back to to resist this invasion, um, and. What, you know, if this all were to stop today, these people, most of these people don't have a home to go back to. 
it's in it's in rubble. So their life ended three weeks ago on that Thursday. Their life is never going to be the same. And that that is not only in their world. Now it's affecting the entire world, the entire world of humanity. Um, <clears throat> that's why I think it's it's bigger than just the conflict over there. Um, this just speaks to uh, an insanity that can still happen in today's world, and we can we're, we're almost helpless. You know, we we feel like we can't do much. Um, I'm wondering, you know, like before all of this came about, because I know they went into Crimea a few years ago um, and then things kind of calmed down. And like you were just saying, you, you nobody expected this to escalate to this level. Um, prior to the whole Crimea situation or even when things were calmer, how was it the relations between you guys? Were you guys studying on the Russia side? Were they studying in Ukraine? Was there exchanges, student exchange? People were going back and forth. What was that like for just regular citizens? Oh, I mean, it even, so 2014 is kind of what you're talking about in that conflict of um, areas within Ukraine that wanted to um, become part of Russia, um, whether it's for economic gain or whatever it may be. But there was always conflict ever since 2014 happening. It just wasn't broadcasted as much. Um, it was it was a lot more localized of a conflict between um, you know the the parts of the parts of Ukraine that wanted to separate and join Russia. Okay, so that's what they refer to as the separatist part and. People were yeah. getting, Russia was giving them citizenship and so forth. Pretty much, yes. And, right, okay. So, like, they were promised you know, economic prosperity almost um, if they if they joined Russia and broke away. So, anyway, that, that was more localized territory before it escalated to a full-blown uh, war across the entire country where you know, against the people's will, um, they were almost blanketed and, and tried to be taken over. But prior to 2014, prior to the conflict, and even during that conflict, it's, it's one people. Like, I, keep, I can't stress that enough. Um, mm. We look the same. We speak the same language. And Ukrainian is a dialect of Russian. Um, and so it's not a it's not the same language, but you can understand the Ukrainian person speak, and you can a Ukrainian person can understand a Russian pe- person speaking. Okay, um, okay. And and really, it that that's why it's so so bizarre. Um, there's many people. There's many people in Ukraine that you know their brother or sister or mom or dad live in Russia while the other lives in Ukraine. It was, it was never like this side or the other side. 
it was always seen as um, kind of the, the same people. And so, like, I, you know, my mom or my my grandma and my dad's mom, she was Russian. Um, and, and there was there was never you know never you never thought twice about it. Um, so that's why it's so shocking. It, it's like just because these people have a, a little bit different of a culture, um, a little bit different of a dialect. Um, now they're 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 being punished for that. You know, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. And there's people right now that are <clears throat> in Ukraine that are you know that are victims and they're they have family in in Russia that are more or less clueless of really you know what's going on. Um, and that's another you know political topic I don't want to get into, but um, the the age of information and disinformation is unbelievable. Um, that uh, a whole country like that can shut off how how information flows in and out, um, and can censor it and can tell a different message to its people than really what's going on to the outside world. Right, which is so intriguing too. Um, I, I I think for those of us who live in the West, in the especially like here in the United States, where we have so much access, it's unimaginable that that can even happen. But I have traveled to our closer neighbor here in the in this hemisphere to Havana, Cuba, and um, I have a sense for what life is like for people who don't really have access to the internet and um, the whatever information they have just either comes from TV or neighbors or friends and so um it's kind of it's still kind of uh, weird for me to imagine that this is this huge thing is happening and um the whole messaging to a lot of people within the country um that that level of control can happen it's it's so yeah it's unimaginable <laughs> I, I'll leave yeah, it there. And, it, and it's happening that's that's the unfortunate part is that for most of you know, my friends here in the States, they're, they're asking me, how in the world is this going on? And the citizens of Russia aren't in outcry. Well, some, some are, um, but those that are, are getting arrested for speaking out against what's going on. And the majority, you know, it, it, it's not like everybody there has an iPhone and has a connection to the internet. And even if they do, now what platforms or social media um, channels they can get on is is very limited. Um, It's, and it's been sort of filtered to where um, people that are in developed parts of that country that have internet that have access to iPhones um, they're getting a different message, <laughs> a different reality portrayed to them because um, there's filters basically set on what they, what kind of apps and social media um, channels they can access or can access. And for the most part, everybody you know that that isn't or doesn't have access to an iPhone or internet just watches only state-funded TV. 
um, that that broadcasts the message that they want to broadcast and creates a reality that they want to show only. And then gossip travels very quickly and um, people can be easily brainwashed. And so it's, it's unbelievable, like this, this duality of technology of the world that we're in is, is a, a blessing and also a curse. So the blessing of it all is the awareness that the world has about <clears throat> the inhumanity, uh, the outrageous acts that are happening. And there has been so much support. Like, I mean, for you to reach out just because I posted uh, an article uh, to, to, but, but also people I don't even know, you know, yeah, my friends have reached out and, and are showing support and asking how can they help, but people I don't even know are reaching out and asking how can, how can they do something because they feel helpless. If they want to stop this like uncertainty where we're headed into the future as a, as a generation. Um, and so that, that's amazing that you can in real time understand what's going on. But the other side of, the, of this is as soon as somebody has ill will with that technology, it can do the complete opposite of, of good. It can tear um, populations apart. It can create civil unrest. It can do anything that that ill will can, you know, puts puts its mind to. So that's that's where that's where we are today, and it's something that we got ourselves into, and we're learning from um, as as a society. Um, you know, I think we we go through in the in the history of the planet, we've gone through eras and times where each era is, is shaped by whatever's going on in, in the world at the time. So, you know, when, when the dinosaurs were in on the planet, that was a period of time that marked um, that, um, <laughs> that history. And then the industrial revolution marked sort of our past history um, and the humans influence on this world has definitely is marking as we speak our our time in history and now uh technology and information or disinformation is yet you know starting a new period where it's going to shape our world um and how we live where we live and i i sort of have to think about that i have to be in that realm because as an architect as a designer as somebody who plans um, for the future, you know, plans cities or buildings or places, I'm always having to uh, tap into that frame of mind of what, how, how are we being represented as a culture? Where are we headed? And how can we be a little bit more aware of what we're doing um, as, we, as we move on through this through this life, through this universe, like I said, we're we're on this we're on this spaceship called Earth together, and we gotta we gotta do something that 
unifies us because this it, this sort of battling back and forth, not even just the the conflict in Ukraine, but all around the world. Um, I, I think we, <laughs> we we need to put our put our power and our our uh, knowledge capacity into solving that because um, we have ourselves or you know humanity has has created these issues so we have to we have to zoom out and and think in those terms and and try to solve that right right sounds like um um some of the news folks have um coined a term uh citizen i can't think of the full term right now but like just empowering regular citizens i guess technology on the other hand also is is empowering too where so many people have phones and information in their hands so hopefully this will also be the era of um, citizen empowerment and that we don't leave up some of the huge um, larger decisions to people who we put in power right because uh, it depends on who you talk to looking back through history and they'll, they'll all be judged by their own actions and how they try to represent the majority or and so forth so i guess we shall see what the next few years and decades have to say with citizenship and uh, citizens being empowered with information um i I came across an author called eckhart tolle i don't know if you know him but I've really gotten into reading his books. One of his latest one is called A New Earth. And he talks about just how um, the human mind can wreak havoc with destruction on the earth and, and just how we're conditioned based on our experiences or conditions to see people and situations are driving the way we then um live out our lives into the world and a lot of times it's not necessarily um uh, his his perspective is that a lot of what we see is is just control of the mind and the conditioning of the mind and how we need to step outside of the thinking mind and um to go into that deeper realm of um uh universal truth whether you call it god or some people refer to uh, universal intelligence as the universe and so forth. And I've really been um, into his um, teachings lately and trying to recognize just how much the mind controls our actions and how we view the world based on our own conditioning. And so um, no doubt. we see, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Go it, ahead. It's, it's all a matter of perspective. Like I said, even just talking through what shapes or what has shaped me it is my experiences is my background is what I put myself into where where I was raised and so each piece of that along the way has sculpted my reality so my reality was totally different in Ukraine um, surrounded by like I, I explained different culture different society um, and then that reality was opened up and it's like wait the the possibilities aren't in this little bubble. The possibilities are in this much bigger bubble. Ever since we moved to the States, that bubble grew a lot more. 
and so many more possibilities, so many more things that are happening. But what you're saying is, you know, it, information almost does the same thing to us. It sort of creates a bubble around us. And if you aren't willing to step out of that bubble to like pop it and zoom out and see the big picture, you'll get mm-hmm. so stuck in that reality that yes. you'll start believing it and you'll start mm-hmm. living it. And every decision will be made based on that small little reality. So that's why I like, I love, I love that you mentioned that, that book. And one of the quickest things I, I would you know love for people to do is even just go to YouTube and type in Powers of 10 by Ray and Charles Eames. And it's this small little video that sort of gives you a perspective of life, of where we are. If you sort of zoom out all the way out to sort of like the, the galaxy level or the universe level, you, you start putting away, you start popping that little bubble of information that's just been fed to you. And you start thinking as a human rather than a citizen, as a race, as whatever that, whatever you associate yourself with in that group. We're all people who come from different backgrounds. Yeah, we are, our world is shaped differently. And that's beautiful because when we move forward, we get to sculpt our new world. We get to form it and create it as, as we want based on what we didn't like or what we did like. And we get to create the sort of the new reality. But um, if we're not careful, that new reality will be based on something that's artificial. And I did, you know, that's when I, I, I hope people can step away from this rigorous sort of path of, of living of how we're used to um, almost like in a trance and step yes. out of it a little bit and mm-hmm. realize that man you know we're turning into robots we're turning into these the whole um, matrix right <laughs> right yeah, I mean like you can start and get into all that and start talking about a, a conversation that might seem a little, you know, wonky and out there, but right, somet- right. sometimes you gotta you gotta step back and think the big picture. Um, and you know, the it's like we are sometimes in a matrix where it's it, it, the unbelievable is happening, and um, it's almost like we did it to ourselves. So now, like I said, we gotta, we gotta figure out a way, we'll figure out a way out. Like where's the, the button that, that gets us out of this game and mm-hmm. <laughs> in, back into reality. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, it's, um, yeah. I mean, I wake up every day and I'm thinking, my goodness, there's somewhere around the world that somebody is fleeing from. Somebody's being killed right now. Somebody's experiencing fire waning down on them in their their little communities and it's it's unbelievable to just kind of think there's peace outside my window right now there's sun and it's quiet and it's completely opposite in so many places across the world so we continue to hope for a better tomorrow and um uh yeah my my heart goes out to ukraine and and the people there and um we just hope for the, the best outcome uh, for everybody, right? The best outcome. Sure. So well, that's all we can do. Yeah. 
Right, right, right. And and all the best to your family on the other side too. I hope they're able to get to safety Thank and um, that your parents are able and, and you all who are connected can find some sort of peace um, in the middle of all this because I can imagine you're, you're miles, how many miles away, another world away, but it's, you know, emotionally it's impactful and spiritually and so many other levels as well. So, right. Um, like- the way you know we sit here uh, as a nice sunny day here in Virginia Beach. It's getting warmer. It's really it's really easy to forget sort of that perspective that you just talked about, where you wake up and you you think through that people are in disparity in other parts of the world. People are suffering in other parts of the world, and um, you know, like it's it's amazing that these sort of events, these conversations like we're having right now, um, we're able to zoom out and put ourselves a little bit into perspective of what can what can happen or what is happening and allow for the listeners to step back with us too. It's, it's right. amazing what you're doing. Right, right. And uh, we have we do have a choice, right? But sometimes we get so caught up in that conditioning of how we're supposed to behave and how the world is supposed to be and sometimes we just need to step outside of that and see a bigger picture and um yeah definitely recommend that book the power of now a new earth um stillness speaks um he's a powerful author and he's impacted me quite a bit um so many you know we're just conditioned to see the world that we are in and our own experiences in a certain view and and once you step outside of that, you realize that, my gosh, you can see such a broader picture if you just step outside of this conditioning that we've all been told this is the way the world is supposed to be. There is another realm, right, sure. outside of thinking. Um, so as we wrap up today, um, any advice that you would like to offer to new residents, new immigrants to the United States? And, you know, we have a global listening audience. And so for anyone who is migrating globally, how to adjust to any new environment, new culture that they find themselves in, whether it be voluntarily or involuntarily. Um, any advice to, you know, make their journey more abundant and peaceful that you may offer? Um, just be, be a kind person, uh, individual, human. Um, and make you know, basically the, the most out of every opportunity that you're given. Don't get stuck in a rut. Um, don't seek the easiest comforting way about things. Um, you know, one of what I've noticed is some people that immigrate to a different country, they seek out the same people and start creating almost like um, groups or cliques uh, where it's almost creating like a, a a new bubble within a different context, but you're not you're not getting anywhere there. Um, it's about being a little bit uncomfortable, putting yourself into situations that um, are challenging, conquering that challenge, and then moving on to the next one. Um, that's that's the I think the the overall fundamental value that. I try to live by is making the most out of every situation, being curious, exploring, discovering, and then repeating. Um, 
Yeah, and then out of out of that out of that conversation, more in terms of what we just talked about, my last plea or advice, whatever you you take it, you know, at least go to YouTube, find uh, a video of Carl Sagan, and watch the pale blue dot, and zoom out with us, and um, discover that there's there's more to life more to existence than sort of our our close-knit relationship that we're having with our iphone um and the information that we're being fed um enjoy life go out there enjoy your family and um just be human right right very well said i thank you for going on this journey with me and we welcome our listeners to um, share with us what they think of the conversation and anything they'd like to add. Um, but uh, thanks for tuning in again to another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America, where we are seeking to connect the world through conversations and sharing the experience of immigrants as they move across the world. This has been happening for generations for many people. It's been throughout my family. I know my family's been in Jamaica for quite some time, but my grandparents has their own uh, journey as well from different parts of the globe. And um, so we're just sharing these stories to humanize the experience of moving across the world and um, learning the lessons that are within these stories and inspiring others to continue on their journey. So thanks again, and um, walk good and stay healthy. Thanks so much. Take care. Tune in next week for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, we welcome any and all support. If you have not done so already, subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and circle of influence.